Welcome to Story Hooked, the podcast where we cast our line into the world of reading in search of books that make us happy. Ready to dive in? Let's get you hooked on a new book. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Story Hooked. My name is Lynette and I am your host here and here with us today. I say this every time I've noticed, but I am so starstruck. I say it every time, but I'm going to say it again. I'm so starstruck because here with us today is Adeline Grace. Adeline, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. Um, as I am sick with COVID, you should, I promise you do not have to be starstruck. I look like a gremlin. <laughs> Luckily, this is only a voice recording, but I mean, COVID <laughs> does affect your voice too. Um, <laughs> I am so sorry that you were not feeling well. Thank you for still coming on here. Um, uh, our readers love you and can't wait to hear from you no matter what you sound like they just want to know what you have going on so thank you for being on here let me just for our listeners introduce Adeline Grace to you um Adeline Grace is the number one New York Times USA Today Wall Street Journal international and indie bound best-selling author of Belladonna and the all all the stars and teeth duology Prior to becoming an author, Adeline spent several years working in live theater, and that's cool, and studied storytelling as an intern on Nickelodeon Animation's popular series, The Legend of Korra. Shut up. That's so awesome. I Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Local to San Diego, Adeline, Adeline spends her non-writing days by watching too much anime and by playing video games with her two dorky dogs. <laughs> you're so awesome okay um that's the first time that i've read that uh legend of cora i'm obsessed with that that is so cool <laughs> that you did that wow that's a flex like was that so fun it was very fun it feels like it was forever ago but also just like yesterday so it's it's yeah. very weird very nostalgic yeah oh, i know it's bringing back the nostalgia for me too that is just <laughs> that's quality stuff that is so amazing and then in theater live theater were you is it musical theater or more like plays or it was it was primarily i would say like 99 percent musical theater and i was a techie i worked backstage during all of it wow that's so fun what shows <laughs> like what was a favorite show that you were able to oh. able to be on Ooh, okay well we might actually talk about this later but this was not my favorite show by any means, but the Secret Garden musical did heavily inspire like the initial idea for Belladonna. No um, way. I have yeah, I have not read the book, The Secret Garden. I've actually never seen like the movie either. I only know the stage musical. No way. Oh Yeah, I was working I mean, I guess I might as well just tell the story now. Um, yeah, just tell, was, us, tell us the story. Okay, I was working on the secret garden. I was working up on the catwalk and the rafters, like high above the audience, so nobody ever knows I'm there, like doing the lights during the show. Ooh, so cool. you know, after eight shows a week for several weeks, your mind just kind of starts to wander, and you're not really paying attention to the show, and all these ghosts right. are singing on stage. And I remember like part of my brain thinking, Oh, I wish this was like a little bit older. I, I wish that there was like some more romance in this. Um, yeah. Wish it was a little darker. And then I would like look down at the audience and that weird brain of mine would again, just start wondering like weird things like, well, what would happen if I fell? Like, would I die? <laughs> would I turn into a ghost? Would I, would my ghost like haunt the theater? Uh, haunt the theater. <laughs> 
Yeah. So meanwhile, all these ghosts are just like singing on stage. And that was like the initial spark of the idea for Belladonna, like just wondering about like spirits and ghosts and stuff like that. So you'll see a lot of nods to the secret garden uh, throughout the first book, actually, none really in Foxglove, but definitely in Belladonna. For sure. I actually, I thought when I read Belladonna, I'm like, this gives me secret garden, like Mm -hmm. gothic, gothic secret garden vibes, like totally had that, had that feeling to it. So the fact that that's the inspiration, it doesn't surprise me because I definitely could like feel that just the vibes of it. Totally. That's so cool. Yeah. I kept a lot of nods. Oh yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry if I took one of your questions. No, (laughs) no, it's okay. No, we'll, we'll get there, but it's, this is fun. We just kind of, talk about everything this will go on different different tangents and I am a tangent talker it's what I do I'm like what were we talking (laughs) about before um (laughs) it's kind of what I do but um so kind of so you said that you worked in theater and it gave you inspiration for Belladonna but you wrote some books before so could you just share with us a little bit about how you got started in writing have have you always been writing like since you were a kid or was it later on yeah, I always really liked writing. I think I actually fell in love with writing before I fell in love with reading, oddly enough. I did no really way. enjoy reading. Yeah, but I was addicted to, I don't know if you ever use Neopets. Were you ever on Neopets? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was addicted to Neopets. And on one of my yes. very random days there, I happened to stumble upon the um, role playing boards. And uh-huh. I never oh, knew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I never knew what that was, but it was all these people just like writing stories. And I was like, well, I like to write. Let me try this. So I just tried. I wrote like this weird, terrible, like wolf role play. And then I just like fell in love with it, though. And I kept going. Right. And then I got some friends throughout um, that time. And we created like a guild on Neopets that was just for role playing weird stories. So it went from wolves to um vampires and gifted boarding schools so that i was probably like nine years old when i first started that oh my Uh, gosh that's awesome it was so fun i would just i would come home from school and i would just write 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 thousands and thousands of words without even like thinking about it and i had like one-on-ones with friends back on aim like I well I called yes. it AIM but AIM or whatever AIM same <laughs> yeah and I would just write 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 and then um, Twilight came out and I lived in Arizona where the author Sefi Meyer also lived and I went to her mm-hmm. very very early signings back before like she blew up uh, very wow. tiny bookstores and that was the first time that I saw like an author that somebody was doing this as a job. And I was like, whoa, this is the coolest thing ever. And then I saw over the years her, like the books just absolutely blew up, obviously. And she went from that tiny bookstore to multi-story auditoriums that I had to go through like a metal detector and security to get into. (laughs) So kind of just like watching that process and seeing that it was a real job that people could like make a career out of. I've just always wanted to do that. Right. Okay. That's so that's crazy. Like you saw her from the beginning and until it blew up, you saw the whole journey. That's so cool. But you've been writing since you were a kid, basically. That's so yeah. awesome. That's so cool. So when did you, um, when did you, your first book was All the Stars and Teeth? I say first book, I mean, first, like traditionally published. Yeah, yeah. So All the Stars and Teeth was my first published book. Um, it was probably the 
oof, I want to say the fourth that I wrote. Um, okay. And maybe maybe the second one, second or third one that I tried to like get an agent with and submit right. to publishers and stuff. Um, but All the Stars and Teeth was the first book I got an agent with. Right before that, I was in something that is no longer around anymore, but I think listeners, some of them might still recognize the name. It was called Pitch Wars. And it was a mentorship program that pairs new writers up with established authors. Um, and you take your manuscript. It was a very like kind of difficult to get into sort of program. So it was my second right. year trying. And I worked with a, another author who had an agent who had a bit more experience than me on a different book that will never see the light of day. It never went anywhere. Um, but uh-huh. through that process you know, you submit it to agents and stuff and there's an agent round. I feel like I just really learned so much about editing a book because I think until then editing for me was like making the words pretty. It wasn't digging in, getting the hands dirty, changing character arcs, changing points of view, changing the way the book is written, like all these big overall things. I just had no idea what I was doing. All the technical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I just really learned a lot during that process that I was able to step aside from that book, which was like less hard than I thought it would be because I had worked on this book for years, but I think I had just outgrown it so much. So I went on to my next book, uh, which was All the Stars and Teeth. And I wrote it very quickly because I had just gotten into a car accident and I was not able to move. (laughs) Oh my Uh, gosh. That's crazy. (gasps) Yeah. I had many broken bones and all I could really do is just like sit around. Um, So I wrote that book in three weeks and I edited it in another two. And then within this, okay. What I like, this is not normal and I don't want anybody to think that this is like the standard that they should expect. Cause I, again, I had queried for years unsuccessfully. When I queried Uh this book, I got two offers of representation within 24 hours and then more after that. So it was a very fast, very kind of whirlwind experience Um, that was entirely different than anything I'd experienced before. So that whole book, yeah, was very much um, a whirlwind. First book out, uh, it has a sequel. And then Belladonna came out two years after that one. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, I will say with authors that I've talked to on here, a lot of them say the try and try and try and try a million times. And then, you know, just either they find someone or it works out. So for you, the fact that happens so quickly, I do feel like that is like pretty rare. Like, wow, we just shell shocked. Well, absolutely. But I mean, again, it was like I had been doing this and trying for years. So it seems like it's very fast. And with this book, granted, it was incredibly, it was incredibly fast and very, very lucky for this book. And I think that we don't talk about that part enough, which is just the luck of it. Um, And the timing, the timing really worked out well for me. But yeah, this was maybe year three of querying, which I still think is very early. Uh, honestly, um, I know plenty oh, of really? people who, yeah, I know plenty of people who have agents and, you know, it's no sign of like how successful you're going to be either. Right. Like, I know people who queried for like 10 years until they got their agents. And I think all that really matters is just the perseverance and making sure that you are learning with each book and establishing like 
connections with critique partners and beta readers and agents too, because, you know, if you'll have a couple of close calls potentially during that time and agents will start to recognize your name and when you submit to them again, they can kind of see your growth. Um, So yeah, you are, you're getting closer with, with each book. Right. See, that's good to know. Okay. I think that is really one of my questions here was advice for writers. So I feel like that is really, really good advice for our listeners that are looking to get published or are just trying to get into that world or working on getting their books um, out there. Um, Thank you for that. I think that it's incredible listening to authors' journeys and where they started. I love hearing like Neopets or someone said you should write a book or, you know, everyone's got just a different thing. So thank you, Neopets. (laughs) Thank you, Neopets. Oh my gosh. I love Neopets. (laughs) Me too. Oh my gosh. For bringing us Adelaide. Um, Okay. So I want to ask you a little bit. So you wrote, let's see, All the Stars and Teeth. That was a duology and then Belladonna and Foxglove. And remind me, that one, the Foxglove one, or your Belladonna one, this is a trilogy, correct? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always have uh, such a hard uh, time. I always have such a hard time, like, putting limits on it. But yes, it is, as far as point. I'm aware right now, at this point, it is a trilogy. <laughs> okay. As far as you're aware. Okay. Okay. I see. I pick up what you're putting down. Interesting. Yeah, I, I say that because like originally Belladonna, I sold it as a standalone. So it was supposed to only be one book and right. I had it all plotted out. Um, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And then once I started writing it, cause I sold it on proposal, which means I only had a couple sample chapters and like a summary of what was going to happen. So right. once I actually started writing it and getting to know the characters, I was like, mm, I'm having too much fun. Like, I'm not done here. There's so much like other stuff that I want to do, which yes. made uh, Fox Club possible. But I just like, I just wrote a cliffhanger ending and submitted it to my editor and didn't say anything. I was just like, do you like it? Do you want to buy another one from me? Um, <laughs> and then when it came to Fox Club, I did the same exact thing. Like I intended for Fox Club to be... Well, as far as they knew, I intended for Fox Love to be the last one, but in my heart, it never, it never was going to be. So I did the same exact thing. So I have a hard time like saying how many will actually be in a series because I change my mind a lot. Yeah, and that's okay. I like that because I like that you're like, you sense, you can feel the story has more in there. You're like, there's more, there's more, there's more in me to write. Mm-hmm. And I am here for that. I mean, I freaking love I love all your books, but I will say Fox Club is like my favorite right now. And I just know I'm going to love the next one. I'm just dying. I'm like, this, these characters are so great. So if you just keep writing in this world, I mean, no, no complaints over here. None. <laughs> no complaints because it's so great. Um, did you always want to write fantasy? Have you ever thought of branching out or is like, is YA fantasy your happy place? Would you ever write an adult novel or are you kind of like, this is what, this is my calling. This is what I'm going to do. Um, I would absolutely write adult. I have always wanted to write fantasy. Yes. Um, I I will say that like with Belladonna, all the characters are in their twenties or older. Right. So they are very much, they're not exactly teens anymore, but you know, especially when I first was writing Belladonna and this was what, three years ago. Um, the, the market was a little bit different than it is now. And there weren't as many books with like, 20 year olds or that that kind of like younger adult book um right. they were it, that just they weren't 
as plentiful as they are starting to become, which I think is really, really awesome. And I definitely feel like my sweet spot is that category, which I don't know if that means I will always have the label of upper YA, if that means it'll like I'll shift into adult for the next series, or if they are finally going to come out with that middle uh, section that like used to be new adult. Um, Right. Is that what it used to be called? Well, it was... Yeah, New Adult only existed, I think, for like a year or something. It was supposed to be, though, like uh, Court of Thorns and Roses was originally sold as New Adult. So it was going to be that age category, more romance. Um, Right. And it just, without the shelf space for that, like without walking into a Barnes & Noble and having that shelf space. And I will say, I have seen maybe two stores have that shelf space. So in like recent years, so maybe it's starting to be more a thing, more of a thing. But without that, we will not have that category. And they're just starting to be classified as adult now. But it's really interesting because more publishing imprints are, or more publishers are starting to make imprints for this specific category. Um, They don't call it new adult. It's just adult, but it is more focused on the characters like in their twenties, more romance and, I think with just yeah. um, TikTok, I think we probably have TikTok to, to thank a lot for that. Just making <laughs> yeah. publishers see that there is such a market for those books. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, apart from that, I do, I think I will always write fantasy. But it's funny, like oftentimes an idea for like a random contemporary adult rom-com will like pop in my head. And it happens uh-huh. like, more frequently than... I don't know. I expected, I guess. So maybe one of those, right. like one of these days, I'll write just a um, adult, like fun, kind of like Emily Henry vein romance. But I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Hey, whatever, whatever the mood writing, <laughs> I don't know if you're a mood writer. Is that a thing? Mood reader, mood writer, whatever, whenever it hits, the story <laughs> is there. I'm there. I'm there for it. Whenever you feel like you want to write. I was talk- Who was I talking to? I was talking to someone where they talked about, they said, I write, I think it was Courtney Kiesel. She said, I write what I want to read. So anytime she's like, if I want to write a story, I write it. And if I don't, I don't. And I'm like, that is so awesome. I think that's so great. So I will say, Adeline, whatever you want to write, it happens. I am going to read them. No pressure to any in any direction. <laughs> in any direction. You write incredible fantasy. I think a rom-com would be so fun. I mean, just whatever you want to do will be so awesome. Thank um, you. Yeah. Um, have you, in your author journey, because it's been a lot of, and that, it's interesting, I, it's interesting that there's that middle, like that middle genre that you're talking about. I agree there's such a market for it. Oh my goodness. That's pretty much all I want to read, I will say. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of people ask me, they're like, what age rating would you give this book? And I'm like, I know it's in the YA section, but I still think that it's a little more over here, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily put it in adult, you know, there's just this, and I don't know how to, how to talk about it. You know, I don't know what to say when I'm like, it should be if you're older, but not like, but it's not adult. Then everyone gets confused. We're all confused. So I agree. Mm -hmm. There needs to be some, I hope that there is some day that we kind of figure out that thing. I don't know who needs to make that happen. How do we make that happen? It would be be so helpful. Like I, like the rest of the world have just read um, fourth wing recently and I really, really enjoyed it. But the, the writing style and 
the, the story at its core felt very YA because right. it's so fast paced. It's so like, it's yeah. like the books that I grew up with, but the characters are older and there is more romance. Yeah. So yes. it's classified as adult, which is just so interesting to me because it has all the hall- all the hallmarks of a YA, yes, but it is sure. an adult book. And I feel like if they're like, the market is just so, it's so there. And if publishers yeah. and bookstores could just come together and like make that category happen, it would just, I mean, yes. it's already blowing up, but if we had an easy way to just distribute it, it would blow up even yeah. more. I totally agree. It's so true. It's so true when I, when you read it, it's got the vibes of like those dystopian books that I grew up with, like as a yeah, kid. Divergent. Like my uh-huh, divergent, exactly. I'm like, this is like what I loved. And then as I've gotten older, obviously I'm like, give me the romance. And I'm like, as yeah. long as there's romance <laughs> in there, I will read it, right? I'm like, if there's romance, done. I'm there. And so it's it's almost like our I will say our generation our generation was like, we grew up reading these super, um, these dystopian or these really, really fun, like you said, action, fast paced fantasies, but now we're older and we want romance in it. It's our generation is like begging for these types of books because we have the, we have what we grew up on. That's like our bread and butter but we want romance in there because we're adults. I don't know. Does that make sense what I'm saying? No, absolutely. And yeah, you're right. I mean, I I think that anybody could just look at sales numbers or go on TikTok and see how much people are begging. Like those books are blowing up. Yeah, they totally are. And yours, I would say yours as well on Bookstagram. I'm not on BookTok, but on Bookstagram, people are talking about your book and they're saying, this gives me like, I love the romance in it. And I love that it's also... It's got like older, like older characters. And I really connect to that. And I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> that's what we're saying. That's what we're all, it's what we want. Give us what we want. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yours is totally in there as well. I will say, okay. Um, have you had, I say, have you had any challenges in your author journey? I mean, you had a freaking car accident that broke your body. That sounds like a challenge. Um, how have you overcome the challenges that face authors? Oh gosh. Yeah. There's, um, a ton of them. (laughs) I think the hardest part about publishing is that you don't, there is no way to prepare or to know what you're getting into before you are in it. So I think Mm. one of the hardest like daily struggles for me is just making time to write and the actual like writing part. And it, it like always surprises me how difficult that is because on this side of it, once you are published, there's so much admin in this day and age, there's so much uh, social media responsibilities and promo. And so, so much of it is on the author. And that's not saying that publishers are doing nothing. Like my publisher has done an incredible amount of stuff for Belladonna and have like been able to support it in a way that just blows my mind. But a lot of it is also me. And it's also a lot of me making videos, making reels, uh, making graphic Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and responding to readers and building that community, like that communication. And so much of that stuff, just it it takes up hours and hours and hours and hours. That is a full-time job like in itself. And then you have to have another full-time job, which is the writing part, because that's how you are actually making your money. And, <laughs> right. and then, you know, and then trying to like be a normal human on top of that, like 
for years. <laughs> I feel like I just lived in like the cave of my office. And mm. last year I leaned in probably too hard, or I guess it was just earlier this year. I leaned in too hard to like trying to feel like a normal human and getting out of my house more. So mm-hmm. I signed up for like all these sports classes. I signed up for badminton, volleyball, yoga, tennis, and it was all like twice a week. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really fun, but it was like my desperate attempt to just get out of the house and like meet somebody who wasn't in publishing. Like right. just like a like a normal human friend. Um, <laughs> and I did I, I leaned in too hard for that, but I will say I love badminton now. <laughs> nice. New love. Yeah. <laughs> It's so fun. But yeah, I think just one of the hardest parts has been that just trying to figure out how to like the time management, just all these different jobs and expectations on top of the writing. Like somehow you're supposed to do all of this, clean the house and still be creative, which is very, very difficult. Yeah, I can't, I cannot even imagine. I mean, I just do content on Bookstagram. And like the the content is already there for me. Like the authors wrote the books, they created them and they were like, here you go. And I'm like, sweet, I can build content from this because I love reading, but I can't even imagine adding, creating the book. Like, oh my goodness, that would be so overwhelming. And creating content takes so much time. I understand that. Oh my goodness. Like, and then just trying to, (laughs) I was actually talking to my friend the other day where I said, I feel like I'm just mediocre at everything. Like, I'm trying to be like a good mom, a good wife, a good sister, a good friend, a good bookstagrammer and re actually find time to read and go exercise and be normal and not just sit in my cave and read or write like for you. It's like, what is going on? This is too much. (laughs) It's a lot. And yeah, like that you mentioned finding time to read. I will say that since I've been doing this professionally, I read less books than ever. And it's so sad it's I feel like I read a lot more audiobooks now because like a lot of my reading gets done as I'm like walking the dog or doing errands like cleaning the house Mm -hmm. or driving um so a lot more audiobooks but yeah I mean it's it's so rare for me to just be able to like pick up a book and sit down and read it for hours when I get to do it it's fantastic and I always miss it but yeah that's really hard it's so hard so what do we do do we just like, just keep suffering? Like, do you have any thoughts of how to like, or do you just deal with it? Like, dang. Uh, definitely, definitely audiobooks for me have been a game changer in like mm. how much I'm able to read or I have to read a lot of books for work, like blurb requests. So when like authors mm. are coming up with a new project, they'll send it out to other authors and be like, hey, if you like this, like, can you give a blurb? So any of like the words oh, yeah, that you yeah, see yeah. in the front of a book from other authors, that's, that's how that happens. So we read it early and it since it is so hard for me to sit down and like read physical copies I downloaded this app called voice dream and Um, it will just read the book to me from my phone so it's not like interesting yeah it's it's not as good as an audiobook by any means because it's very stilted but it's not as bad as if you're having like your computer just read something to you like it's a happy medium between those okay interesting what's the app called voice dream Voice stream. Okay. For our listeners who want to either get a book, somehow do audio, 
but don't have the audiobook, but have the, I don't know, I think like, like, that's very smart to have something, because the, the, when the computer reads it, it's just dry as the freaking desert, right? You're like, this is yeah. so bad. But it's hard to be able to read books or like ARCs, right? The ARCs or the advanced reader copies yeah. that you're getting. Yeah, you've got to be able to somehow read. Voice stream is better. It's certainly not like... And like I will happily pick an audiobook like any day. Hundred percent, so 100%, much better. Yeah. But for yeah, for arcs and stuff where I have digital copies and just need to read it, it's very helpful. All right, that is good to know for our listeners. If the if there's something that you need to do to just get the books to read them because <laughs> it's hard. We don't have none of us have any time. We don't have time. Oh man. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you this. I feel so strongly about this. Um, Authors, there's so much pressure. I cannot imagine the pressure. You write, let's say you write a book and then you're writing a sequel and people are like, is it going to be better? Is it going to be just as good? Is it going to fall apart? And like, that's going to be so scary. That would be so scary as an author. I will say, I feel like you have done, you do such a great job with, with the books that I've read of yours that you have published. Um, I've read some series where the series just like, it just kind of dies. It just, the book starts out so great. And then as it goes along throughout the series, I'm like, what happened? At least for me, that's just like my opinion on some, on some series, but with yours, the next book is like better and it just starts to grow and the story just keeps going. And so I want to ask you, do you, when you write, do you start with the end in mind? How do you keep your series just continuing to move and just continuing to be so good does that make sense what I'm saying like I, there are books that I will recommend that I say hey this is a trilogy that gets better with each book then other ones it's like the first book is good but does that make sense what I'm asking yeah yeah it's a hard question to answer but I yeah the question totally makes sense I think that you know with some of the books that keep going and going forever it is such a, it's such an amazing accomplishment for the author to be able to do that because that means it has such a strong readership. Like those books Mm -hmm. aren't going to continue to be bought without a huge just fan base and readership around them. So I think that, you know, sometimes authors could potentially fall into a trap of like continuing a series for, for the money less Mm. because like they necessarily wanted to continue, but because it's doing so well and publishers know that there's going to be a readership and they're willing to throw a bunch of money at the author to make it happen. So there's always that it's, it's rare cases, um, but certainly does happen. Um, Yeah. I mean, I always hope that with each of my books, like I am improving in in craft and right. Right. Yeah. Like, do I write towards the end? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I always have, like, the end in mind, but I will always shift things, like, if if need be, if I get, like, halfway through the story and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this ending would be so much better. And then a lot of it comes in edits. So, like, I feel like the first right. draft, I, I plot and outline very heavily. It's my favorite part of the process. I always feel like a genius when I'm doing it because it's just like, <laughs> oh, the story is going to be so good. Um, and I, am then I, have to, I am I am a god of writing. <laughs> I, feel, I feel so cool. Um, but then I look at the blank page and actually have to write it. I'm like, oh, everything that was really cool in my head is not showing up on the paper. Like this is actually trash. Um, this is so, trash. 
I love it. Edits. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I hate, like, I hate, I just had to give the first draft of my next book to my editor. And the whole time I was just like, I hope it doesn't open on her computer. I hope like the computer crashes <laughs> and she'll never read it. Uh, I, <laughs> I hate to give that out because I feel like the first draft, no matter how much I outline and how much I plan, I, I don't actually be, yeah. fully know the book until I write the first draft. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. this is what I was trying to do. Now let me start all over and actually do that. Right. right. So it's a very, you know, edits are, are so important. And honestly, I would say 90% of writing is just editing. So like for published books, mm. it's, uh, you're, you're not going to so see much, much yeah it's so so much editing and especially with the series which has mystery elements like a lot of the red herrings and a lot of just like the sneaky stuff gets added in uh-huh. and right to try to sway the reader a little bit um so yeah edits for me are so 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 important um right. and yeah I, I do always hope that like I'm growing with each book but I think too like so Fox Love focuses on new characters and old characters from Belladonna. And I think that, you know, people are always going to have different opinions to books, no matter what, like some people are going to hate the new characters. Some people are going to wish that only the characters from Belladonna are focused on, but some people are going to love the new characters and want more of them. So Uh it's, it's, it's hard as the author, because you're never going to please everybody. Like, of course I wish that that was possible, but I think at some point you just have to accept that it is, is not. Right. You're like, this is going to connect with some, some readers are going to love this, but guess what? This is how I'm writing it. So there it is. Like, (laughs) I think at the end of the day, you just have to kind of like write what you want to write, what you feel is best for the story. Because I think, you know, one thing I've learned along the way uh, is just to kind of trust my gut. And I know in the past, mm-hmm. like it's been harder to read like reviews for my first series than it is for Belladonna. Because when I mm-hmm. read reviews for Belladonna, nothing hurts me. Like, oh, it's just like, I am so, I love those books so much that if somebody like has a, a bad reaction to them, I'm just like, well, you're wrong. And this is great. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's just because like I focused on writing what I loved and making sure that I loved it first and foremost, which I have to do for every one of my books from now on that those kind of reactions just don't touch me. I love that. That's awesome. You're like, listen, this is what brings me happiness and ain't no one going to like rain on my parade and take away my sunshine because I wrote this and I love it. I think that's awesome. I think that is so cool. I love hearing authors say that where they're like, I, once they started, I'm writing what I want to write and this is my story. And as soon as they got into that mindset, everything just like flowed. And when you said, trust your gut, it makes so much sense. Cause I've said, I've, I've heard the same thing from these authors. They're like, as soon as I stopped listening to all these other voices mm-hmm. and I trusted the inner you, the inner, like that, that magic inside you. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really hard to kind of learn, especially in this day and age where, you know, unfortunately you can go on Goodreads and the top reviews for a book, no matter how high it's rated, are going to usually be some negative reviews because Mm -hmm. people, for some reason, I don't know what it, I would love to study like what psychologically it is that like triggers that in our brains, but like people just gravitate 
towards those reviews. And there's a lot of like people forgetting that what they have is an opinion and not actually a fact. So you'll just get <laughs> reviews that are like, this was the trashiest, worst written book of of the whole generation. And that will be like the first ranked reviews for a book that has a 4.5 like stars on Goodreads or something. Right. It's just, it's, it's so interesting to me that that is how social media has like, and the internet has like trained our brains. Um, so yeah. yeah, they just, they don't hurt anymore because it's just an opinion of, and people who don't think that <laughs> they have opinions. I know it's oh reviews. I have oh I have so many opinions on reviews. <laughs> I have so many strong opinions on it. It just drives me crazy. Like I saw two Goodreads reviews, and I talk about this all the time. But two Goodreads Goodreads reviews that were literally almost identical, word for word. But one was five stars and one was one star, and I was laughing so hard because I was like, "You mm-hmm. said this is everything that's in the book, so it's awful." And someone else said, "This is everything that's in the book, and that's why it's great." And I'm like, "What the?" Like, that doesn't make, like, you can't read reviews and be like, ah, that must be exact truth about what this book is. It's like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. I, I feel so sorry about this. I posted a reel. Okay. I posted this reel <laughs> that was all the books that are worth the hype. I'm like, books that are worth the hype. And then I cover the camera and then it's just me. And it's like, you decide what's worth the hype. I feel so strongly about it because if I tell you, here's all these books that are worth the hype. I'm like, uh, yeah, according to me, what about everybody else? Like, what do they think? What do they feel? They have other experiences that they want to bring into the reading. And so I'm like, okay, here's a book. Here's what's in it. And I liked it. Now you choose. Now you go figure it out instead of taking what I say and say that that is truth. Like, no, 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 no. It's so weird, right? Social media, it's so weird. And I, I can't, once again, I can't imagine as an author, like, the pressure of social media, people being like, is this going to go viral? Is my book going to go viral? Or mm-hmm. is what if book talk hates it? What if bookstagram loves it? What if, like, I cannot even, that would be so, oh, so many voices that are like telling you if it's good or not. But it sounds like to, to me, what you're saying is, well, I don't freaking care because I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that wasn't probably always the case and it was definitely a learning experience. But yeah, once I got mm. around to Belladonna in this series, it just, yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm it, doesn't, happy. it doesn't hurt. I feel great. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> Good. Okay. So that's my other question is if it doesn't, it, the ne- negative reviews don't hurt. What about positive reviews? Does it still make you feel happy bubbly or is it like, eh, I don't care because I'm still happy. <laughs> no, I think it's always, it's always nice to hear nice things, you know, like yeah. it gets, it gets stale to hear bad things. But it never gets stale to hear nice things. Like, it's just always, oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad that, like, you enjoyed it. Like, it always it always feels nice. Um, right. But, yeah, like like you were saying, somebody's one star, somebody else's five star. Like, I've seen kind of like what you said, reviews yeah. of what that are one star that are like, I cannot believe that this was a romance with death. And then five stars are like, oh, my God, this was a romance with death. death. <laughs> yes, it's the same words. The same review. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I am like death. Like, mm, like sign me up. Like, sounds, <laughs> I love a, death is a love interest. I'm like sold. Um, okay. I've taken so much of your time with my questions. We have a little bit of time to do some reader questions and listener questions. Um, 
So we talked about this a little bit. You already told us your inspiration for Belladonna came from the Secret Garden musical and your super morbid thoughts of death. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. That's just, just, that's so cool. Um, You said that Foxglove, it wasn't so much Secret Garden anymore. So inspiration for that, or was it just how the story was progressing? Yeah, it was just the progression of the story. It was mm-hmm. kind of letting myself think, well, if death exists, like certainly other deities would exist in this world. And what would they be like? What would their relationships be like? What would their magic be like? And just having this idea of like this complete foil for death um, and kind of a very the Vampire Diaries, like paranormal brother competition way. That is very much kind of a, a core component of Foxglove. And I also just kind of wanted to explore Blythe's character more. And, yes. you know, she spends so much of Belladonna just sick. I mean, all of Belladonna sick and yes. not able to do as much. But she still has such a sharp personality, even though she's literally dying. Um, uh-huh. And she just seemed like a really fun character to explore. And when I got to start her character it was just it was so much fun so I just had to I had to kind of lean in yes I gotta say I have loved getting to know her better for our listeners you meet Blythe in Belladonna and that book focuses a lot on Cigna and all that whole her whole story and then this next one you kind of got both but I can there's a lot more Blythe and I loved it I loved getting to know her better because she was sassy in that Belladonna. Mm-hmm. She was bringing in the thunder. And I was like, I love this girl. And so in this one, seeing her up and, I mean, even just ironically with being me being sick recently, you being sick, it just like, it dulls your personality. <laughs> it brings you down. It's so, it, like, it just hurts, right? And it's not fun. And then when you're better, it's like, ah, it's like this new life of, and can you tell I internalize stories a lot I always apply it to myself I'm like how does this apply to me but I loved seeing Blythe just come into her own and she still brought the thunder she was like being all awesome and just so so cool so powerful um was she always gonna play such a big role or in this story or did she just kind of come into her own as you wrote it you know, it's, I, I feel like the answer is yes, but also at the same time, I remember when I was, when I was pitching Foxglove to my publisher, um, the whole story was, was plotted out. It was outlined and all of that is still the same, but I don't right. think I ever mentioned like Blythe having her own point of view. And I don't know that I actually knew either until I was like, I'm trying to remember because it feels like... <laughs> It wasn't that long ago at all that I was writing this, but also it feels like 20 years ago because this book was so difficult to write. Uh, It was just such a blur. I don't think until I was writing it and I got to a scene where I was like, well, I really want to like explore this other side of the world and like do other things. And it doesn't make sense that it's just Cygnus story. So like, what if I just try to write Blythe's point of view and originally in Fox Club, Death also had a point of view of his own. And I, he doesn't get to have as much page time in this book because him and Signa have a hard time seeing each other because of events that happen in Belladonna that I won't spoil. Right. Um, right. But they don't get to see each other as frequently. So he gets less page time. So he used to have his own point of view. But that point of view kind of just ended up being like, like my own fanfic it was like me writing fanfic of what he would be doing 
And it didn't actually serve. <laughs> yeah, it didn't serve a point in the story. Like it was basically because he's just like following Cigna around the whole time. So it's still Cigna's story. So all the other side and all the other stuff that I wanted to do, I just remember like I wrote a chapter of Blythe. I was like, well, maybe this won't make it in, but let's just see. And then I had so much fun with her. And then I just sure. sent it to my editor and she was like, oh, you know, I was really not sure about Blythe's point of view in the beginning, but now it is like, I can't see the book any other way. It. Uh, oh. We did. We did end up obviously cutting Death's point of view. Um, yeah, because <laughs> it was just, just fanfic. No, I love it. I love Death. <laughs> I want his point of view, but it's because I'm in love with him, obviously. But sorry, keep going. <laughs> No, that, I mean, that's, basic, that's basically it. There is, fortunately, um, he one of the chapters from the very first draft of Death's Point of View did make its way into the Barnes & Noble Special Edition. So the deleted chapter is that one. Yes. Um, yes. And that was just, like, one of my fun, like, brother rivalry, magical rivalry dinner scenes uh, that yes. I just had a lot of fun with. But, yeah, it, it was I worth cutting his point of view. Right. Okay. I trust you. I trust you. Even though I wanted more from this point of view, but that's just because I love him as a character. Honestly, all of the new characters you brought in, they're all so compelling. I, I just want the point of views of everybody. I am a fanfic lover. Anytime anyone writes any of that type of stuff. So if you want to continue, you know, writing fanfic about your own fic, <laughs> which is so funny to me. If, if those get to be bonus things that are included other editions, I will buy all the editions. Because um, it's just so fun. Um, okay, speaking of writing different characters, um, do you have a favorite line that you wrote, a favorite character that you wrote, like one that you relate to, or a scene that you're the most Ooh. proud of? Something, just some kind of favorite scene, character, line. Give us any yeah. of that. Okay. Well, I guess I'll focus on Fox Love specifically. Um, hmm. I think probably, I mean, I enjoy all the characters. In Belladonna, it was funny. Right. I know I just said that we're going to focus on Fox Love, but in Belladonna, uh, <laughs> one of the characters who like surprised me was Elijah, because anytime I got to write him, I was like, oh, these are such cool lines. Like, you go, Elijah. Um, but in Fox Glove, I love all the characters, but I think I probably have the most fun with the two newest ones, which are like right. Blythe getting her own point of view and Fate. Uh, who has just arrived on scene with Vengeance on the Minds. And he was very much like originally inspired by uh, Hal Pendragon and Klaus Mikkelsen from The Vampire Diaries. Um, and he's changed a lot since that conception, but he's just like a strutting peacock. He's an artiste. Yes. And oh, he's yes. just very it. arrogant and ready to show off. So he's a lot of fun. Um, there is a croquet scene and a fox hunt scene in this book that I had a ton of fun with. And as far as favorite lines go, uh, one I signed, like I signed in a lot of books on tour is um, a line. I won't say who it's by, but it's just, I think it's on my Instagram too. It's uh, what's wrong. Love afraid. I'll ruin you. That's one of my favorite lines. Ah, that's one of my favorite lines too. I actually, okay. You're going to laugh. I keep a, I have a note in my, um, I have a note in my phone where I call them my swoon quotes, which are any quotes that I was just like, oh, like I had to pull out a fan and like fan myself because it was so swoony. Um, that's on there. <laughs> that line. Let me see. Actually, let me pull up because I have a whole Fox Club section. Let me just pull it up really fast because 
that's on there. Oh, what was the other one? The one. It's uh, always so funny to me to like see what lines readers react to. Like one I enjoyed writing but didn't think was going to get like a lot of love. It's something about um, she didn't care to be a sunflower, like unfurling herself for all the daylight to see. Like she'd rather, or she'd prefer to be an adorable little mushroom. So, uh, I, I don't remember the quote exactly, but it's like hidden in the dark crevices where few venture to look or something like that. Uh-huh. And like, I see that, I see that quote everywhere now. And I'm like, Oh, like that's the one people react to. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Cause you just kind of wrote it. Oh, it was so, I love that one too. <laughs> that's so cute. Okay. Yeah. What's wrong. What's wrong. Love afraid I'll ruin you. Yep. I have that one. And then another one I wrote is you are my world. I swear that nothing could ever stop me from fighting for you. I was like, Oh, that was so cute. <laughs> And then one that I I put it in here, but I took it out. Why did I take it out? I put it in. What happened? I think it's because I was quoting the same person too many times. And I was like, I need to mix it up a little bit. But the <laughs> one part that said, give me the chance and I will prove to you that I am. Oh, the, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah is, it, is it the trench and the rifle one? Is it that line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I like that line. That one too. I had in here. So good. So good. <laughs> So awesome. Um, that's so fun. It's always fun to hear what authors love versus what readers love. Um, and I just love getting in, getting to know what you really loved about your story. It's so fun. Um, so I heard you mention that it was really hard writing Fox Club. Was it harder writing the second one or the first one? Belladonna, Fox Club, which one was easier? <laughs> well, having written all three of them, Fox Club is by far by far leaps and bounds miles and miles and miles uh the hardest one it was not remotely close (laughs) really why do you think that is i don't know i think it was just like the timing um uh, just i honestly have no idea like maybe just trying to balance out all the different plot lines and adding a new point of view time and making sure that the mystery is as strong as the romance that's as strong as the fantasy and the historical Mm -hmm. elements like everything is just woven um it was an incredibly difficult book that i was convinced uh was not ever going to happen i was like they're gonna take back the contract i'm gonna have to go get a different (laughs) job i'm gonna quit while i'm ahead (laughs) belladonna let's let's end with a bang um (laughs) i was being very dramatic about it i literally I rented an Airbnb for a month and went alone with one of my dogs and just locked myself in there and just tried, tried so hard during that time to just finish it. And it was like, I was that desperate. It was ridiculous, but it was a very difficult book to write. Meanwhile, Wisteria was difficult, but so fast. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So Fox Love was difficult to write and it took a long time. Painfully slow. Painful. (laughs) Ripping out my fingernails one by one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. So Belladonna, fast and easy to write. Wisteria, difficult, but also quick. And Fox Love was just painful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I've ever had, I mean, maybe All the Stars and Teeth was easy because it came so fast. Um, right. Yeah. When I, when I say fast then, I mean, that was fast. That was three weeks. Belladonna yeah. was several months. Fox Club. <laughs> How long was Fox Club? I don't <laughs> even know. Too, too long. Um, and Wisteria was probably like five or six months. 
So like that is, I still consider fast and like relatively fast. painless. <laughs> relatively painless. <laughs> I, I love you. <laughs> it didn't hurt too bad. It was just like a little bit, like a mini kidney stone compared to like yeah. a large. <laughs> yeah. Like it's wisteria's for sure. Like I need to do heavy edits on it, but I'm very much aware of that and aware of like where I want it to grow. Foxglove. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, that was such a problem child, but I feel very happy with it now. Like I'm also very happy that it's done and I no longer ever have to touch it again in my entire life. Like I will happily (laughs) read it. Um, I am currently listening to the audio book of it and I'm really enjoying it, but yeah, I never, never want to do that process again. (laughs) Well, it's done. It's in the world and it's amazing. Honestly, I, I liked Belladonna a lot. I loved this one. I knowing that you put so much work into it and that it was so hard. I'm so sorry, but I, oh man, I love it. Oh man, it's just oh, just chef's kiss. Just oh, so 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 good. So so you've written Wisteria. So for our listeners, Wisteria is the third book of this series. We don't know how long it's going to be, but right now the third book, Wisteria. You, it's written. You just have to edit it, and I say just have to edit. By just edit. I mean, do ninety percent of everything else. Right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um. Yeah. I mean, I do think that Wisteria <clears throat> finishes off this core story. Mm-hmm. Uh. That said, I mean, there's characters that I would like to explore, or like you know, maybe other parts of the world that maybe one day, like, I'll look into. But I think overall, like this core story that I have started is done in Wisteria. We will have the the final, have the finale. Um, (laughs) It is, I'm not quite ready to like leave it yet. So I am glad that I have edits. And again, like I think that if I do, if I manage to accomplish all the edits in my head and make the book match like the vision that's in my head, it'll probably be my favorite of the series. Um, you know, I just, I just have to do that though. So we'll see if that happens. (laughs) So it might be a favorite. It might be like (laughs) ripping out fingernails. So who knows? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I actually had some listeners and you, I know that there's so many rules in publishing, but you can and can't say, (laughs) are we getting Wisteria next year? Is it going to be two years? It will not be two years. It'll at most, unless anything just absolutely out of my control, ridiculous happens. Right. At most, it should be next August. Um, that's currently the date. Like if you go on, like people have already been pre-ordering it on Barnes and Noble and like showing me their screenshots and I see like the, the ship out date, like the estimated ship out date, which is like August 20th or 24th or something. Um, so I know that there is an alleged date. Okay. That said, I don't know. I'm kind of, oh gosh, I shouldn't even say this. I'm kind of hoping that like we can put it out earlier for multiple reasons. Um, One of them being that I no longer want to travel during this time of year and catch COVID twice. Uh, Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm so sorry that happened to you. That sucks. Yeah, I'm very over it. So I knowing that like this is the time of the year that people get sick I'm like well maybe I just moved the book up so I don't have to travel during this time oh gosh well we'll see I think that would be 
honestly, for I think that like pushing it up is harder for publishers than pushing it back. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff is, especially since we have the Barnes and Noble exclusive editions, like part of it is Barnes and Noble, like when can they take another special edition? Um, when is Target stocking their books? So there's so many right. different things that go into it that makes like choosing a date kind of difficult. So and usually you, yeah, you have to choose it like pretty far out normally. Um, mm. But that said, yeah, maybe at the most I would expect next August. Okay. And if, if you have your way and it's earlier, <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> like give me that book. <laughs> me too. I would, I would love if it, it and it's, it's funny because like, on my end, I finished them pretty early. So Fox Club, mm-hmm. for example, I was doing copy edits for it. Uh, well, I guess maybe not that early. I was late. Um, I was doing them late in January. So the book was pretty much done like oh. January. Um, okay. And it just came out in August, which is not like, again, I was I was late on my end. I had extensions for Fox Club. Um, right. But... Yeah, they need that time to get everything just kind of like ready for it and make sure I have sign I have time to like sign tippins or anything for like special editions. Okay. But maybe I would I would like for it to be out early. Who knows? I, my fingers are crossed because I am oh, I can't wait to get my hands on that book. I just I closed Fox Club and I just screamed into the void. I was like, ah! I just I'm so excited <laughs> for what comes next. I just oh no spoilers I will do no spoilers for our listeners but oh my gosh please just go read them and come scream with me because oh I cannot wait for that next one um speaking of what you have coming have a couple of questions of people who oh I just I also have to mention I didn't include this question um but I just have to mention it someone said when is she going to put my heart back together? <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I was like, where do we send the therapy bill? I was just like cracking up these readers that just, you destroyed their heart and soul and they love it. <laughs> They're like, hurt me again. I'm like, yes, I am ready to get hurt. Gladly. <laughs> Gladly. Um, so, yeah, another listener question, and this is also my question. Can you give us any hints about what you have coming after Wisteria? Um, what you have in the works? Is there anything you can say or that you want to say? You don't have to, mm-hmm. but if you want to, we are here ready to listen. Yeah, I would, I would love to be able to officially answer this question. The hardest part is I am not somebody who struggles with ideas. I have an abundance of them and it's very (laughs) difficult for me to like narrow down which one I want to work on. And I know that if I don't like hurry up, I'm going to die one day, which is like a bunch of ideas in my head and I'll be very tragic. Um, So I'm trying to, (laughs) I'm trying to figure out what I want to work on. And there's two ideas that are very, very, very different from each other um, that I'm kind of warring between. And, you know, it's funny. I was just, I just saw my publishing team uh, about a week ago, actually. And I was sitting down with them and my editor and uh, the publisher both asked, they were like, what are you working on next? What are you working on next? And I told each of them an entirely different pitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they each got a different idea. That's hilarious. 
Yeah, I was just, I was like, so on the spot. I was like, okay, well, I'll pitch this one and see like what her reaction is. I'll pitch this one and see what her reaction is. Um, I'm still kind of warring between them. It's interesting because the one I think I'm leaning toward more is a little bit more mature. And I'm trying to figure out whether it belongs in the same categorization as Belladonna or if I need to bump it up. Um, I, cause I would really love to continue working with my publishing team. They have been wonderful yeah. and they are YA. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to just, I'm waffling on what I want to do next, yeah. but very different ideas and we will see which one I settle on. Oh man. Okay. Oh, that is, <laughs> thank you for the very little small crumb. I'm eating it up. I just, <laughs> we cannot I gave wait. you nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Let me just drink that air. I love that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It wasn't just air, but I'm excited for whatever you do. Um, Just, can I ask fantasy? Yes. Yes, for both. Okay. Okay. All right. It's fantasy. Okay. Fantasy by Island Grace. Check, check, check. (laughs) Awesome. I don't need anything else. (laughs) Believe me. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Those are all the listener questions. So Adeline, I just want to ask you, is there anything else before I let you go? Anything else you want to tell um, your readers, um, listeners, anything you want to tell them before we finish today? Uh, I just, just thank you. I mean, thank you for having me and thanks anybody who's made it this far um, listening as I, again, just am like a gremlin in my cave that I've not left for seven (laughs) full days. Uh, Yeah. It's it's so nice to like look at a face and talk to somebody. I feel like I've just been like, losing my mind in here. So thank you. And thank you everybody for joining and giving me an excuse to talk to somebody for an hour. Hey, I'm here anytime. Anytime you want to chat, I will talk to you about books. I mean, I love, I love doing this podcast. It's such an awesome thing for me with, for me, it's getting away from, it's talking to like an actual adult because I've got a million children and I love them so much, but I do need to have like talking to someone and like another human being, like what you said for me, it's like not quarantine, but it is kind of like it. Cause I am, I'm with these little beautiful children and I'm like, you're so cute. I need to go talk to an author about books because I love books so much. But anyways, I am just so thankful that you could come on here. Um, thanks for being a guest on the podcast and for our listeners. If you haven't read Adeline's books yet, they come highly recommended by me. Highly, highly, highly recommended. Me too. I recommend them. (laughs) You recommend your books. Okay. Okay. And Adeline (laughs) recommends them as well. So that is two people (laughs) that are saying, go read these books, especially I would say just personal plug for the Belladonna series, just my personal favorite. Um, And go meet fate. Oh, swoon, 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 swoon. So (laughs) So fantastic. If you're a fantasy, gothic fantasy lover, these books are for you. So um, thank you for Adeline being on here. And thanks to our listeners for supporting this podcast. Stick around. We will have more author spotlights on the way. That's a wrap for this episode of Story Hooked. Remember, every story holds the potential to change your life. Keep exploring and always, always read for joy.